What is design? It's a seemingly simple question, isn't it? But put three designers in a room and, well, let the drama begin. One way to think of design is to consider what's here in the present or the current state and then contrast that with what might be improved upon for the future or the preferred state. Nobel laureate Herb Simon described this concept very simply as, everyone designs who devises courses of action aimed at changing existing situations into preferred ones. Victor Papanek in Design for the Real World described design as the conscious effort to impose meaningful order. Another way to think of design is to consider John Dewey's take in his work, Having an Experience. In it, he describes how an experience is a series of successive parts, a beginning, a middle, and an end that lead to a unified whole. He describes how a problem receives a solution, or that is, a satisfactory conclusion. And an experience is characterized by being elevated from the everyday and the mundane. So there's something special or notable about an experience versus just something that happens all the time. One other concept you've undoubtedly already encountered or been exposed to when it comes to design is that of usability. And this essentially captures that age-old tension between function and form. But lastly, allow me to introduce what I feel has had the greatest capacity to shift thinking on design. I call this big D versus little d design. So imagine a hierarchy or a taxonomy that begins with the most commonly thought of forms of design, that of graphic and visual design, focused more on the aesthetics of text and images. We'll call this the first order of design. On the next tier, which we'll call the second order, we now include objects or three-dimensional works. So in other words, industrial design and physical product design. Now moving on up to the third order, things become a little bit more complicated. In addition to two dimensions and three dimensions, we're now thinking about time or the fourth dimension of space and time. This includes the design of processes, strategies, and experiences, which you might know as interaction design or service design. And then at the very top of the heap, we have the fourth order, the most complex of designs. It's the design of entire systems, organizations, and culture. This is a very complex space with a web of many interconnected pieces. So often when people are talking about design, what they're talking about are the first two orders, that of two and three-dimensional design, graphic or industrial design, or what we designers affectionately call posters and toasters. This is the little d design. In contrast, big D design is when you move beyond static products and begin to think about how design unfolds over time or in space. This is an ever-changing and ever-morphing type of design, and it's not design in that traditional sense. A more accessible version of this concept is known as the UX iceberg, which was popularized by Jesse James Garrett. Now maybe you're wondering how I define design. I personally like to think of design as harmoniously bringing together the who, the why, where, what, and when in order to figure out the how 
with the how being the solution. You can think of design as a method for understanding and solving problems, and it bridges many different disciplines, whether it's product design, communication design, psychology, cognitive science, or other disciplines. Most importantly, though, in this course, it's characterized by a human-centric perspective to inform that holistic experience from beginning to end. So we're borrowing from John Dewey there. It's also being mindful of users and their goals, behaviors, and expectations. And that's where our philosophy is influenced by that of usability. It also includes affordances, conventions, or signifiers to help people understand how the design works. So when we put all these components together, we wind up with that overall mantra of usable, useful, and desirable. If you're interested in comparing and contrasting different definitions of design, I encourage you to take a look at Paul Ralph and Yerwan's paper, A Proposal for a Formal Definition of the Design Concept. Now that we've talked about a couple of different definitions of design and also considered that design is not simply about visible aesthetics and structure of a product or a service, but also the invisible elements of a system or a strategy, I invite you to consider, who is a designer anyway? Or another way to think about it, who should be taking action to change the current state into the future preferred state? And furthermore, what actions do you need to take to successfully do this? Let's begin with the idea of goals. Goals motivate people to perform activities, and understanding goals allows you to put your users' expectations and aspirations into perspective, and that can help you understand what they're experiencing now, which in turn can help you decide and determine what needs to be designed for that more preferred future. Now that might sound daunting, but one thing to keep in mind is that goals are largely driven by human motivations, and our motivations change very slowly, if at all. And if you distill motivations down to their core essence, it's a pretty finite set. So when I feel overwhelmed about thinking about people's goals, I often refer to the 16 basic desires that are outlined in the theory of motivation. Now, if you think about social media, we'll use Instagram as an example, and then cross-reference it against the basic desires. You'll see that it's kind of all laid out there. Now, taking a slightly different tact, I want you to think about one of the best gifts you were ever given. Go ahead, jot it down. Now think about what made it special. Why do you remember it? Who gave it to you, and why did they give it to you? Did the giver know something about you that made it special? Was there thought and intent behind the gift? Was it useful? Was it something you really desired and coveted but wouldn't get for yourself? And did it somehow connect with any of those 16 basic desires? Now, going back to the question we started with, who is a designer? Well, I'd like you to think of a designer as a giver of gifts. And a good designer is one that gives great gifts. 
Perhaps your understanding of design has shifted a bit now. I'm kind of hoping so. So let's conclude this by thinking about the functions a designer might play. When you think of the things a designer might do as part of their job, what immediately comes to mind? Go ahead, jot down the terms or the activities that you're free associating with that of a designer's job. Now, the next sticky, I want you to guess what might appear on the top five things that a designer does as part of their day-to-day -day role. And then I will invite you to contrast that with what design professionals have reported in countless uh, job surveys. So in the top five, in order of appearance, at the very top, we have presenting solutions and concepts, then persuading others, then analyzing tasks and activities. Fourth up, building prototypes and wireframes. So surprisingly, that was not at the very top, although it is a very, very common activity, but it was outweighed by presentation, persuasion, and analysis. And then lastly, in the top five, we have collaborating with subject matter experts. How many of those things made it onto your list? You may want to explore some of the links just to see other activities that designers wear as part of their day-to-day -day and part of their role.